there's Goop. But before Gwyneth Paltrow made waves in the wellness space, she was an A-list actress on a trajectory to full-blown stardom. And her life story, well, it's just about as jam-packed as they come. Welcome to Scandal from Shameless Podcast, the stories of the biggest celebrity controversies revisited. Hello, hello. Hi, I am more excited to jump into this one than maybe any Scandal series we've done. We've got three parts on Gwyneth Paltrow (sighs) and I got to say they are equally as jam-packed as each other. But I don't think our listeners will be surprised to hear that. No. The scandals sort of have never really stopped around Gwyneth. No, and also just like the really bloody interesting tidbits and stories and details. Aside from the scandalous stuff, this is just an objectively interesting life. 1,000%. And I think from my perspective, I, I feel like I have pretty good knowledge and understanding of Goop Gwyneth, but I feel a bit young to fully understand the Hollywood Gwyneth, like the space that she held in Hollywood and how quick her trajectory was and all of those kinds of things. So I was really excited to go back and look at that. Like Gwyneth with Brad, Gwyneth with Ben Affleck. Gwyneth with an Oscar. Yeah. Like the fact that she is a woman who has dominated both acting and entrepreneurship I can't really think of a celebrity who has managed such success in two disparate spaces, but also managed to be so divisive while carving that success as well. Well, I also can't think of a more divisive celebrity off the top of my head. Well, actually, that's a lot. I can think of many. <laughs> but she has had so many scandals and mini scandals, and there is just so much to her. And I feel like after doing this research i just feel so many things about Same. her and all very different i don't know if i'll come to any conclusion for <laughs> any of it a really quick content note before we jump into this episode we will touch on sexual harassment so keep that in mind as you listen but for now we are rewinding all the way back to 1972 All right, Zara, on September 27, 1972, Gwyneth Kate Paltrow was born to her parents, Blythe Danner and Bruce Paltrow. I constantly forget that her mother is Blythe Danner. She's a Nepo baby. I completely forgot about this. 1,000%. She was born into this very wealthy Hollywood family. Blythe Danner, Gwen's mother, was a celebrated actress who actually won a Tony Award in 1970 for her work in the Broadway musical Butterflies Are Free. She then went on to star, as we know, in a long list of TV shows and films, including the iconic sitcom Will and Grace and the Meet the Parents franchise. I don't know if Black Dana would be stoked to hear this, but I know her primarily from the Meet the Parents franchise. (laughs) As soon as you said that, I was like visualizing some of the scenes in those movies. Do we think they've made an effort to not talk about their relationship very much? Or are we simply too young to consistently draw the parallel that this is a mother-daughter duo? Too young and dumb. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's not like they've hidden it, really. No, they haven't at all. (laughs) Now, throughout her career, Blythe won three Emmy Awards. Those were for her work on Will and Grace, the comedy drama series Huff, and the television movie Back When We Were Grown Ups. As for her dad, Bruce Paltrow, he wasn't an actor, but he was a TV and film producer and director. So he worked sort of mainly on TV shows with his most notable work being the series St. Elsewhere, which was a medical drama that ran for six seasons in the 80s. Now, their prevalence in the film industry meant that Blythe and Bruce 
would connect with a whole bunch of other actors, directors and writers working alongside them in the industry in the early 70s. Yeah, they had decades of kind of experience and connections and wealth before Gwyneth was pursuing her career. In an interview with The Guardian, Bruce Peltro reflected on what the scene was like at the time. He said the big star was Steven Spielberg. He already had a sports car. He had a directing deal with Universal. So we already knew that Steven was a big deal. I met Martin Scorsese then. Brian De Palma was preparing a shock movie called Sisters. Oh gosh, it was just our generation. It was a wonderful time. I don't know what to tell you. It was just a wonderful time. How wonderful is that quote? <laughs> because of his friendship and camaraderie with the Paltrows, Steven Spielberg was actually named Gwyneth Paltrow's godfather when she was born. <laughs> Gwyneth's brother Jake was born three years later in 1975. I think one thing that will be a through line throughout this series is the Paltrow family's really strong bond. Like it feels very much like they have a very strong and have had over the last few decades and supportive unit. And as we said, it will be something that will pop up over the course of the next couple of episodes. Yeah. For example, in a Guardian profile of Bruce Paltrow, Gwyneth is quoted talking about her first trip to Paris as a child. She told the paper, my father told me, do you know why we went to Paris? Just you and me. I wanted you to see Paris for the first time with a man who will love you forever, no matter what. That makes me emotional and I don't know why. It's very like heteronormative. Yeah, <laughs> oh, there are. Yeah. And not every dad can just like take their kid to Paris. No. To show what love is. But it is nice regardless. <laughs> it is no secret with all of that in mind that Gwyneth Paltrow had quite a privileged upbringing. She was raised in California before moving to New York and attending the Spence School in Manhattan. Just the Spence School sounds fancy. Yeah. It was an exclusive all-girls private school. There's this really interesting piece that Owen Gleiberman later wrote about Gwyneth Paltrow in Entertainment Weekly that might be interesting to raise here where he noted her upbringing. He wrote, The Spence School is where Gwyneth Paltrow got her education and for a lot of people it was a perfect symbol of the floating on air ritzy princess bubble in which she grew up. The daughter of Blythe Danner, raised amid the stately brownstone fortresses of the Upper East Side with Steven Spielberg as her family friend. The insufferableness of it all. It's privilege on privilege on Correct. privilege. That quote really demonstrates as well, I think, how the media spoke of Gwyneth pretty much for her entire career. Certainly in the early years of her career, there was a massive focus on this extremely wealthy, extremely well-connected family of hers. Yeah, and I think it's interesting because a lot of people would say that we only started having really big conversations about Nepo babies in the last year or two. But we were having them the whole time. They just looked kind of different. Yeah, I think our generation just wanted to give ourselves a pat on the back and be like, look at us looking at generational wealth. Yeah, It's quite clear researching Gwyneth, everyone was talking about her generational wealth decades ago. We just coined a term for it. Like Nepo we just baby. coined a different term. <laughs> now, the main thing you really need to know about Gwyneth's childhood, apart from her pretty privileged background, is that she did begin to take an interest in the arts pretty early on. And she also did say that she tended to have a personality for it. Yeah. As per the New York Times, she was, her mother confirms, a precocious child, frequently in the company of adults, famous and witty adults at that, and mature beyond her years. In high school, Gwyneth 
acted in school theatre productions and was part of the a cappella group. In 1987, so by this point in the timeline, she's 15 years old, she spent a year in Spain on exchange, during which she became fluent in Spanish. Nice. By 1989, when she was 17, it became clear to her family that Gwyneth was a keen and pretty talented actress. That same year, she made her TV debut on a pilot called High, which her dad was directing. <laughs> the actors Zach Braff and Craig Ferguson also starred in this pilot. A real motley crew there. Yeah. Craig Ferguson alongside Gwyneth Paltrow it doesn't strike me as like an obvious casting decision. Well, I kind of wouldn't have put them in the same age bracket, but no, they are. I think they? it's that. Well, he is 60 and she now... I mean, this feels like a spoiler alert. <laughs> she is 50. So he, sorry, he is 10 years older than her. Okay. But yes, I agree. And then Zach Braff randomly thrown in there as well. Yeah, it just doesn't really feel like a group of people who would star alongside each other. Anyway, High appeared to be some kind of comedy drama series about a group of high school students. We don't know a heap about it because it was never actually picked up. It was just a pilot. Yes. So maybe other people agreed with you that not yeah. the perfect casting decision. <laughs> now, Gwen's first big break into Hollywood was still on the horizon though. In 1991, she was 19 and she was cast by her godfather, Steven Spielberg, as a young Wendy Darling in Hook. Yeah. And Hook was a commercial success. It grossed $300 million against a $70 million budget. So like for this to be your first big gig, it's huge. A $70 million budget for anything is massive. Yeah, exactly. I mean, as you say there, her first big gig, it was like the first big movie she was a part of. Mm. But we should note her role in it was pretty small. She only played Wendy in a flashback sequence, but... For all intents and purposes, it was a foot in the door. Around this time, Steven Spielberg was at the peak of his career. So to even just be featuring in a movie directed by him was a really big deal and something a lot of actors have aspired to. Yeah. Now, as the story goes, Gwyneth and her dad were waiting in line for a movie when they ran into Steven Spielberg one day and he actually gave her the role on the spot. There was reportedly no audition, no screen test, no agent. <laughs> Which is all to say that... She's a lucky girl. That's not to remove any talent, talent or grit or hard work. Of course, those things could all be. In fact, they almost definitely are in the mix, in the recipe for her success. But she is so lucky to have Steven Spielberg as her literal godfather and to be waiting in line with her dad to watch a movie when they just bump into her godfather. Yeah, and be given a role. Now, regardless of how she got the role, it was definitely one of the first of many. Over the next few years, she steadily booked small roles in TV and film. Notably, her first proper feature film role was in the 1993 drama Flesh and Bone. Writing for the New York Times, critic Janet Maslin said of her performance, Ginny is played with a startling aplomb by the scene-stealing Gwyneth Paltrow, who is Blythe Danner's daughter and has her mother's way of making a camera fall in love with her. Yeah, a lot happens for Gwyneth over the next few years. So we are going to bounce around a little bit when it comes to the timeline. Moving forward to 1994, Gwyneth was fresh off her success from Flesh and Bone, and the world was really starting to take note of her acting prowess. The New York Times even labelled Gwyneth as, and I quote, one of the 30 artists most likely to change the culture in the next 30 years. It's a pretty big compliment. Pretty bang on as well. Well, absolutely. Off the back of the positive reviews of her early performances in 1994, a then 20-year-old Gwyneth booked her biggest starring role to date. It was playing Tracy Mills in Seven. 
Now, beyond her career, things are about to take off in Gwyneth's love life too because in Seven, her character was married to another character called David Mills. David Mills was played by a then 31-year-old Brad Pitt. For some reason, the name David Mills doesn't quite mesh with Brad, Brad Pitt's Pitt. face. I agree with you. <laughs> so who exactly was Brad Pitt back in 1994? Well, back then he was a relatively up-and-coming actor, but he was enjoying some pretty steady success and he was getting praise for a number of his starring roles, including his work in movies A River Runs Through It and California. Yeah, he was also gaining notoriety for being a pretty big hot guy. Yeah, a yeah, hottie. A, a real hottie, <laughs> particularly after he had this one spicy scene during 1991's Thelma and Louise. This is what the BBC said of it at the time. His small but raunchy part as Gina Davis's lover immediately made him the latest Hollywood sex symbol. I mean, he really was that attractive. Yes, like, for sure. I don't think I've ever seen someone maybe as attractive as Brad Pitt was in the mid-90s. I completely agree. Gwyneth actually described meeting Brad as love at first sight when being interviewed on the Call Her Daddy podcast earlier this year. For his part, Brad told Rolling Stone that he knew immediately that he wanted to date Gwyneth as soon as they met on the set. Yeah, and by all accounts, that's really how the relationship started. Basically, they met on the set of Seven and they were in love with each other. Looking back on her naivety at the time, keep in mind she was only 20 years old when she met Brad Pitt, Gwyneth told the Los Angeles Times, I wouldn't know if somebody was flirting with me. When Brad and I met, he says, it was obvious that he liked me and that I was an idiot, but I had no idea. I thought he was just really friendly. Aw, she said, and then I started getting a crush on him. I'm like, are you insane? You can't get a crush on Brad Pitt. Get a hold of yourself. <laughs> it's funny to think back into that mind now. Now it's so different. It's like, it's like of course, I could have a crush, crush on, on whoever anyone. I want. Yeah. Which is accurate. Of course it's accurate. <laughs> <laughs> now, Gwyneth and Brad started dating very soon after they met, as we said. Although they didn't make their relationship public until a year later in 1995 when they walked the red carpet together for the premiere of Brad's movie, Legends of the Fall. The following year, while accepting a Golden Globe Award for his work in the film 12 Monkeys, Brad was gushing about Gwyneth on the stage. He called her, and I quote, the love of his life and his angel. Yeah, that same year again, Gwyneth revealed a little bit more about her and Brad's relationship and their life together with the LA Times. She said, I am in a very happy relationship. We are the best of friends. We go out on dates together. We go to the movies. I make dinner. We go out to dinner. We have friends over. Beyond that, I don't know what else people expect me to say. I am not going to sit down with a writer and divulge intimate and private things. I do like that. For, For sure. quite a young woman. She's only in her early 20s. To sit there and say, I know what you want and I'll give you 5% of it, but that's all you're going to get. It's a lot of, I don't know, maybe internal confidence or gumption to be able to say, no, no, I'm going to have boundaries even as an extremely young woman in this industry. I do think there was a level of self-assuredness that Gwyneth Paltrow had from a really early age, likely from the place in which she grew up. You know, she wasn't intimidated by the industry because she grew up around it. Self-assuredness was the words I was looking for. So. <laughs> <You> <laughs> gumption was not the so, word. <laughs> I like the word gumption. So I think that's worth at this point having a conversation about how everybody considered them together. Obviously, I think it goes without saying that Gwyneth and Brad being together was big 
news for the tabloids. It was also pretty interesting to note that Gwyneth Starr was so quickly on the rise that the way the media referred to her changed over the course of their relationship. So at the very beginning, she was very much considered Brad Pitt's girlfriend, the envy of women around the world. I mean, it also should be noted, by the way, in 1995, he was crowned People Magazine's Sexiest Man Alive. (laughs) And then, sort of as their relationship progressed, she became the famous actress Gwyneth Paltrow in her own right. But Mm. that kind of transformation took a little bit. Yeah. Here's an example from The Independent around this time. Gwyneth Paltrow's main claim, Brad Pitt, Brad Pitt, Brad Pitt. Gwyneth is the very public girlfriend of the world's most lusted after actor. Thus, a generation of girls literally dream of being Gwyneth Paltrow. Her sidekick prompts universal salivation. What an interesting line. As per the New York Times, when she ventures out in public with her boyfriend, curious onlookers gather, if not precisely because they know who she is, but because the man who is gazing at her so adoringly is Brad Pitt. Mm. Now, Gwyneth wasn't too phased about this, it seems. In fact, for a woman who was only very young at the time, as we said, she was self-assured. Take this quote that she gave to the Washington Post in 96. When there's somebody new on the acting scene, people get really excited. But I've been lucky. No matter what they've said about my family or my boyfriend, I've always been fortunate in that people who criticize movies, well, I've always come out pretty well. I quite like that again. So she's saying, yeah, they talk about my boyfriend. They talk about my mother and my father, but I still get rave reviews. (laughs) Yeah, like they're pretty strong reviews. So the acting speaks for itself. She did, however, speak to the Orlando Sentinel on how strange it was to date the world's sexiest man. She said that being Brad Pitt's girlfriend gave her a chance to see a pretty interesting side of human behavior. (laughs) She said, women get crazy over Brad. You've never seen anything like it. Women are like, I will marry him. And I'm not talking about 14-year-old girls. (laughs) It would be really interesting for the mind to date the most desirable man on the planet. If you were single right now, pretend you'd never met Mitch, like he's not part of this equation. Yeah, bye Mitch. And you were given the option to date the world's sexiest man. Would I, you do it? No. I don't think no I would way. either. No. I, I don't want the insecurity. I don't want people flinging themselves at my – So not that people <laughs> don't fling themselves at my car and <laughs> Batting them away with yeah. a stick. A value I hold dear is that I like being of comparable attractiveness to my partner. Yeah. I do not want my partner to be streams ahead. I just – it's not a dynamic I'm interested in. My little jealous heart can't take it. I think it's just like even if you trusted them 1,000%, it's the difficulty of other people disrespecting you and the relationship that you have, which I think you would see and Gwyneth would have seen a lot in those early years. Anyway, we are going to talk so much more about this relationship after the break. So we know Gwyneth's relationship, at least the public declaration of it, was pretty great. Around this time, though, she did find herself in a pretty awful situation with disgraced movie maker Harvey Weinstein. In 95, so smack bang in the middle of her relationship with Brad, when Gwyneth was just 22 years old, she was on the precipice of really exploding in her career. And she was hired by Harvey Weinstein to play the leading role of Emma Woodhouse in the adaptation of the Jane Austen novel, Emma. Now, Gwyneth kept her interactions with Harvey Weinstein very secret for the next two decades, Zara. So we have to remember this story was not public knowledge back in the 90s, but because this happened in the 90s, we want to put it in the right place in the timeline. 
Yes. So as per the New York Times in 2017, this is what happened. When Gwyneth Paltrow was 22 years old, she got a role that would take her from actress to star. The film producer Harvey Weinstein hired her for the lead role in the Jane Austen adaptation Emma. Before shooting began, he summoned her to his suite at the Peninsula Beverly Hills Hotel for a work meeting that began uneventfully. It ended with Mr. Weinstein placing his hands on her and suggesting they head to the bedroom for massages, she said. Yeah. The report continued. I was a kid. I was signed up. I was petrified, she said in an interview, publicly disclosing that she was sexually harassed by the man who ignited her career and later helped her win an Academy Award. She refused his advances, she said, and confided in Brad Pitt, her boyfriend at the time. Mr. Pitt confronted Mr. Weinstein, and soon after, the producer warned her not to tell anyone else about his come on. I thought he was going to fire me, she said. Now, Harvey Weinstein, for what it's worth, has denied this ever happened, but we will get more to that a little later when it rears its head again in Gwyneth's life. However, we really wanted to tell the story here because I think telling it here gives the listeners a really accurate insight as to how young Gwyneth was. Like, yes, she was self-assured. Yes, she had all this privilege, but she was 22. She was a 22-year-old woman in a room alone with a man that we know to be pretty horrible. Yeah, absolutely. And sort of on the precipice of the biggest role of her career. Like it's, mm. it would just have been so confronting and tough to deal with. And as you say, I think it's important that we tell it here because so much of the time we've told this story with Gwyneth in her 40s or 50s yeah. when she has a lot more experience. A lot more power. Her. And it doesn't matter. People wouldn't deserve it at any age, but even still the lack of power you would have at 22 is astounding. Now among her casting for Emma, Gwyneth, though she was on the precipice of making it, she really still had to prove herself here. How's this from the New York Times? Of course, convincing the rest of the cast, most of them British, that this relatively unknown Yankee with the hunk of a boyfriend could pull it off was another story. Yeah, but her performance in Emma spoke for itself. It was her first leading role in a massive feature film and it was a massive critical success. As per Empire, poised, charming and pretty as a picture, Paltrow's first central role after a dozen increasingly impressive supportive performances verified that she is both a fine, subtle actress and a star. Yeah, the success of Emma, like it really was a career-making film, led to a series of films over the next couple of years that really propelled her career into another stratosphere. As for her relationship with Brad Mish, that was about to kick up a notch too. Yeah, in December 96, after two years of dating, Gwyneth and Brad got engaged. Brad was 33, Gwyneth was 24, and this was what People magazine reported. Pitt popped the question while filming the movie Seven Years in Tibet on location in Argentina. Paltrow was by his side for the entirety of the month-long trip and returned with a ring on her finger. Entertainment Tonight reported this at the time. Brad told us the proposal was one of the greatest moments of his life, while Gwyneth explained that she did not take their decision to walk down the aisle lightly. She said, we're not just doing movies at the same time. So I finished my last film in October and then went with him to Argentina while he did seven years in Tibet. And I was there most of the time with him. And now he's going to have a break while I do my next one. And I'm going to have a break when he does his. So you really need to do that, I think, in order to have a relationship. You know, it is too difficult to be separated. It really is. Yeah. For his part, Brad Pitt was positively gushing about Gwyneth in interviews. Take this from a profile with Rolling Stone in early 90s. 1997. 
Ask Brad Pitt to name the most significant change in his life in the past year, and he looks slightly incredulous. I'm getting married, he says. Of course. She is Gwyneth Paltrow, 24, Hollywood's darling after her elegant turn in Emma, smart, stylish, the child of actress Blythe Danner and TV producer Bruce Paltrow. The piece went on. I can't wait, man, he says heartily. Walk down the aisle, wear the ring, kiss the bride. Oh, it's going to be great. Marriage is an amazing thing. And what a compliment. You're the one I want to spend the rest of my life with, you know, because I'm only going to do it once. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Brad. What an unfortunate Oh, quote. honey, sorry. <laughs> the piece went on. He saw his fiance a few days ago when the pair drove up the Californian coast to Big Sur to celebrate their second anniversary. They try not to let more than two weeks go by without seeing each other. It used to be a three-week rule. Now it's two, he says. You should see our phone bills. She is sunshine. She sure is. I know I'm taking us back to our scandal series on Jen. Brad and Ange but I remember some very similar quotes from Brad about Jennifer Aniston as well he just seems to like be this very gushing emotive guy publicly yeah they very much sound like Brad Pitt quotes as well like you can hear him saying it like she is sunshine she sure is or even (laughs) she sure is it's such a Brad yeah or even earlier like I can't wait man walk down the aisle wear the ring kiss the bride oh it's gonna be great yeah I can just see it coming out of him like he does seem kind of almost hyperactive in some of these early quotes do you think that's fair yeah I think He's a super emotional guy. The more I've he read... He loves to love. He loves to love, but he also feels things really deeply. Yeah. Like, I just think we see that in his interviews right across his career. Now, after the proposal, Brad Pitt took Gwyneth back to his hometown to meet his parents, where they reportedly had a family dinner at the local Red Lobster. I don't know if it's old school to not meet the parents until you're already engaged, but it does feel... Interesting that these two, as A-list celebrities, hadn't had time to meet each other's family until they were two years set in. to be wed. They were two years in. It's slightly weird, no? Is it American? I feel like a lot of American couples do this where they don't meet the parents until they're engaged. But I also think that has something to do with the fact that they don't always live in the same city. Like I do yeah. think in Australia, where you grow up is often where you... Where you stay. Exactly. But in America, when people go to college and work in different areas, there's far more movement in the country. Yeah. Now, speaking of parents too, it's worth noting that Brad ended up having a pretty special relationship with Gwyneth's parents too, particularly with Bruce. As per E! News, Gwyneth said in an interview years later, and funnily enough, the interview was actually with Brad years and years and years (laughs) later. I'll never forget when we were engaged and dad came to me one day, his eyes full of tears and said, you know, I never really realized what they mean when they say you're gaining a son. Like I'm gaining a son. Yeah. Brad replied with clear admiration for Bruce as well. He apparently said this to Gwyneth. Bruce really fostered your voice, your independence. He carved the way for you guys to be who you are. And I think that's so important to parenting, you know. So the child is free to find out who they are and what they love and what they don't. You guys were just so free in your conversations and witty and intelligent and funny as fuck. So Brad really loves Gwyneth, but also her family at this point in time. Yes, exactly. Even though they didn't meet until after they got engaged. (laughs) But yes, absolutely. And they are really, really lovely quotes. You can imagine then with Brad Pitt being on the record telling the press that 
Gwyneth was his sunshine and his angel, that it was a bit of a shock six months after they got engaged that they announced that they were splitting. Yeah. On June 16, 1997, Brad Pitt's publicist announced that they had called it quits. She told the New York Post this, They have been broken up for a couple of weeks now. It's not because of any one specific event. I'm so sorry, but every time they say that, I go, right, what was the specific one-time event? Of course. (laughs) As you can imagine, tabloids had an absolute field day. People Magazine in particular ran an extensive cover story, which we were actually thankfully able to access through their archives. Here are a few excerpts from the story headlined, Love Lost. Brad Pitt and Gwyneth Paltrow appeared to have it all. So where did their love go? (laughs) So dramatic. The piece said, only yesterday, it seems Gwyneth Paltrow was madly passionately head over her Prada heels in love with her fiance Brad Pitt talk about a change of plans not to mention heart even in a town where love is as unpredictable as opening day grosses the revelation came as a shock what other celebrity couple in recent years seems so fresh so guilelessly in love so like a happy Romeo and Juliet as one friend put it last year yeah the piece went on according to a friend of Pitt's Paltrow is stunned and devastated. The reason, says Pitt's friend, is because the decision was, in fact, more one-sided than their team's claim. Brad called it off, the source insists. He changed his mind about a month ago. He got caught up in the frenzy of getting married, but he really didn't want to. He hasn't had a second to think about what's going on. He's commitment shy, surmises another Pitt acquaintance. He needs to figure out what he wants. Gwyneth, by all accounts, as you said, was devastated by this breakup. In a profile for Vanity Fair in 2000, she said, It really changed my life. When we split up, something changed permanently in me. My heart sort of broke that day and it will never be the same. But I wouldn't change anything. Even the things I hate most about myself for what happened, the darkest moment of it, I wouldn't change because that's what made me who I am. Mm. I mean, she's giving these quotes what two and a half years after the breakup saying my heart sort of broke that day and it will never be the same like it's a very powerful quote yeah we never got the full story on what actually caused the end of this relationship but we have got a bits of information across the years. In 2015, Gwyneth sat down for a really extensive radio interview with Howard Stern. She said, I was such a kid. I mean, it's taken until I'm 40 to get my head out of my ass. I was a kid and I wasn't ready. Brad was too good for me. I honestly do think I was too young and I didn't know what I was doing. Also in her Call Her Daddy interview, by the way, it almost sounds like to me by that point, Gwyneth was saying that she was the one to call it off, which is really interesting. It is really fascinating because the stuff you read from her in recent years does put a lot of blame on herself for the downfall of the relationship. But the reports at the time were like, Brad callously called this off. I kind of think both things are probably true. She probably was young and, as she said, didn't know what she was doing. And he was Mm. like, I'm not doing this. Now, as I mentioned very, very briefly before... All is clearly well with Brad and Gwyneth now because they did sit down for an interview together for Gwyneth's website, Goop, and E! News reported this. During his chat with Gwyneth, Brad noted, Oh man, everything works out, doesn't it? 
to which the Iron Man actress agreed, yes, it does. Brad also noted that despite their split, it is lovely to have Gwyneth as a friend now telling her, and I do love you. Gwyneth said, I love you so much. I mean, no matter what you think of Brad Pitt, these two still seem to have a really great friendship. In 1997, Gwyneth started dating another very famous man by the name of Ben Affleck. They met on the set of Shakespeare in Love, another of her most famous films, and they actually dated on and off for the next two and a bit years until the year 2000. By all accounts, that relationship sounded pretty casual in her Call Her Daddy interview. She spoke far more about sex with Ben Affleck than anything emotional at all. Yeah, and also until the Call Her Daddy interview, I actually didn't really know that she dated Ben Affleck. I'd forgotten completely. Like... It just did not really ring a bell. Brad Pitt, absolutely. Ben Affleck, not at all. But they were ostensibly together for like two, two and a half years. Yeah. So let's talk about Shakespeare in Love because we mentioned it before and it is one of her biggest roles ever. Shakespeare in Love was like this period rom-com about a fictional affair between Shakespeare and Viola de Lesseps, who was played by Gwyneth. Now, she was cast by Harvey Weinstein in this film as well. Yeah. Speaking of Harvey Weinstein, Gwyneth gave an interview around this time that I think probably hinted now quite clearly to who Harvey was behind the scenes. This is her in an interview with David Letterman, and we want you to hear their back and forth because it's very interesting to listen to with hindsight. Are you here of your own free will? <laughs> Has someone coerced you into being here? Do you count Harvey Weinstein as a coercer? Uh, uh, now, Harvey, Harvey Weinstein is a, as a uh, I, I don't know whether he's in some kind of organized crime now, <laughs> but he used to be like some kind of junior mob kind of guy, right? He was, he was like in the mob auxiliary. That's what they tell me. Yeah, but, and now he's me. like a big, powerful film guy, right? Yes, I do all my movies for Harvey Weinstein. That's Miramax mm -hmm. for all of you. Yeah. And I'm lucky to do them there, but he will coerce you to do it. And so, and so Harvey said, I tell you what, go on and, and, and talk about your movie. Is that what Harvey said? Yeah. And, and in return, what will Harvey do for you? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> really? Well, what's wrong with that equation? <laughs> the inference that I get is that David was aware at some level about the allegations around Harvey Weinstein. Do you think that's fair? Yeah, and Gwyneth, it's really interesting to watch her face. We'll put this up on our socials so you guys can see it is clearly surprised and a little anxious that David is pursuing the line of jokes that he is. Well, it's, yeah, knowing what Gwyneth knows at this point and how she was kind of threatened mm. by him, she would have been terrified, particularly something so public. Like, was there a bigger talk show than David Letterman at this time? No. Now, critics loved Gwyneth in Shakespeare and Love. The New York Times film critic Janet Maslin said, Gwyneth Paltrow, in her first great, fully realised starring performance, makes a heroine so breathtaking taking that she seems utterly plausible as the playwright's guiding light. Yeah, for this role, Gwyneth was nominated for an Oscar for Best Actress. She attended the ceremony on March 21, 1999 in a sleek, now iconic, bubblegum pink Ralph Lauren gown that was just perfect, just made for her very Hollywood. Yeah. Now, a quick aside about this dress, right? While it's so iconic that it now has its own Wikipedia page, it actually was met with very mixed reviews at the time. TVGuide.com recounted that one critic said at the time she looked like a Barbie doll wrapped in satin ribbon. Marie Claire even reported that Gwyneth's own mother hated the dress. 
Now, as people might already know, Gwyneth won the Oscar for Best Actress, which was actually quite a surprise for everyone involved, including Gwyneth herself. She gave a very sweet but very, very teary and earnest acceptance speech, which was mercilessly picked apart by the media (laughs) the next day. Let's insert a clip here. I would not have been able to play this role had I not understood love of a tremendous magnitude and for that I thank my family, my mother, Blythe Tanner, who I love more than anything, and my my brother, Jake Paltrow, who is just the dearest person in the whole world, my earthly guardian angel, Mary Wigmore, um, and especially to my father, Bruce Paltrow, who has surmounted insurmountable obstacles this year. I love you more than anything in the world. And to my grandpa, Buster, who almost made it here tonight, but couldn't quite get here. Uh, grandpa, I want, I want you to know that you've created a beautiful family who loves you and loves each other more than anything. And we thank you for that. It is very earnest. Like I understand a little bit what the media was getting at. Yeah, it's also probably worth noting here that she thanked her reported boyfriend, Ben Affleck, as her friend in this speech, which I quite like. The Washington Post published that a tearful Gwyneth thanked, and I quote, a long list of co-stars, her co-nominees, and it seemed most of the members of her family. (laughs) Now, Michelle Goldberg wrote for Salon, Gwynny started bawling and reeling off the names of every dead person she could think of, trying to convince us, perhaps, that she's ever had a hard day in her life. This damning piece went on. Hating Gwyneth is about more than hating nepotism or hating the beautiful. The entertainment industry is full of kids with famous parents, some of whom are utterly endearing, even if it's obvious that their family's fame gave them a leg up. Take Drew Barrymore, for instance, another Hollywood child who got her first break from Spielberg. Drew is no thespian, but I, for one, am thrilled every time she succeeds. The difference between the two, of course, is that Drew's life, like a tawdry take on the Diana story, shreds the myths of princesshood while Gwynnie's embodies them. There is so much to unpack here. I think the first thing that I keep thinking when good things happen to Gwyneth, and I, I have felt this in doing our research over many parts of her career, is that we get so annoyed when she succeeds because mm. she seems quote unquote perfect, that everything comes easily to her. And maybe it does, maybe it doesn't, I don't yeah. know. But there is this annoyance when she does well. It's almost like that hating Alison Ashley thing yeah that that movie it really reminds me of that that we look at her we think she looks perfect she acts perfectly she is perfect and we find that inherently annoying or at least when I say we I mean some big chunks of the public for sure and I also think it's interesting how we often talk about tall poppy syndrome in the context of Australia and that America doesn't have it as much but it still has it in yes like this is certainly tall poppy I mean the win for Gwyneth at the Oscars inspired not just a lot of emotions in the media but a lot of emotions within the acting community at the time. I think the first thing to know is that producer Harvey Weinstein had lobbied pretty hard for Shakespeare and Love to sweep at the Oscars. And it definitely <laughs> sweeped. Yes. Swapped. It swept. <laughs> it's, oh, my God, it swept. It swapped. It swapped. <laughs> the film won seven Oscars that night, but many industry insiders weren't that impressed with Weinstein's campaign, which seemed to specifically target another frontrunner for Best Picture, which was Spielberg's Saving Private Ryan. Yeah, as per the New York Times, the un- 
unexpected triumph of Shakespeare was especially sweet to Harvey Weinstein, the co-owner of Miramax, who lavished millions of dollars on a campaign promoting the film in Hollywood trade papers and newspapers, and who was criticised by DreamWorks for doing so and forcing Mr Spielberg's company to spend more on its Academy campaign. As late as this morning, most studio executives, producers and talent agents were convinced that the Spielberg film would win. It definitely feels like, even at the time, the media and people in the industry were seeing Steven Spielberg as like the good guy, like the guy who should win, and maybe Harvey Weinstein is like the dogged, not-so-good guy who is determined to win. Yeah, he's the one that plays dirty. Yes. Is the sense that I get. It's a way better way from of putting it. this time. <laughs> as for the category of Best Actress, Gwyneth beat out some pretty stiff competition for the win. Kate Blanchett and Meryl Streep were both nominated that year in the same category. And even renowned actress Glenn Close wasn't totally stoked that Gwyneth won. In an interview years later, so clearly it was still on her mind, <laughs> she said, I remember the year Gwyneth Paltrow won over that incredible actress, Fernanda Montenegro, who was in the film Central Station. And I thought, what? It doesn't make sense. I think who wins has a lot of things to do with how things have been, you know, whether it has traction or whatever, publicity, how much money did they have to put it out in front of everybody's sight. Regardless of how or why she won that Oscar, there was no denying the impact it had on Gwyneth Paltrow's career. As the New York Times published, almost instantly the award turned the 26-year-old actress into one of Hollywood's biggest stars. Yeah, for her part, Gwyneth also noticed the increased scrutiny reflecting on her win years later during an interview with Today. She said, I think it was probably around the time of winning the Oscar where you go from people kind of being curious about you or discovering you or rooting for you to it all being upended and people really wanting to tear you down and take great pleasure in it, which ends up being a really beautiful lesson in knowing who you are, loving the people you love, being totally in integrity and like fuck everybody else what a quote it's such a good quote i want to end part one on that quote because boy is this a sentiment that she will carry through over the rest of her life the rest of her career and the next two parts of this series fuck everybody else almost became a life mantra for gwyneth paltrow as we will tell you in episode two and three Guys, we cannot wait for you to hear what's to come. She hasn't even met Chris Martin yet. We haven't even introduced Chris Martin yet. That will be on the next episode of Scandal. She hasn't even started Goop yet. That too will be on the next episode of Scandal. We cannot wait. A big thank you as always to our researcher Eilish Gilligan for researching this one. I'm having a good time. I am having a great time. Come and look at all of our throwback videos, photos, content on our social channels at Shameless Podcast on Instagram, at Shameless underscore podcast on TikTok. Also, tell a friend about this series. If you're enjoying it, spread the word. Yeah, and as always, if you want to listen to part two and part three right now, you know what to do. Subscribe to Shay Moore and you can get them in your ears right now. What are you waiting for? Yeah. All right, guys, we'll be back in your ears soon. Bye. Shameless Media. This podcast was recorded on Wurundjeri land. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. Hello guys, Mish here. I am the co-founder of Shameless Media. Thank you so much for giving us your 
ears and your mind and your time. We're so grateful. If you enjoy the stuff that we produce, may I recommend our brand new podcast, Style-ish. Style-ish, if you want to say it quickly. Style-ish, if you want to take the long way through. It is our podcast for all things fashion, brand, business, and beauty. If that is in your wheelhouse, if you care about style content, you will love this show. It is, of course, more than just a show as well. It is a newsletter. It is an Instagram feed. It is a TikTok account. There is so much good stuff going out on Stylish every single day starting now. So in your favorite app, search for Style-ish. Give it a listen. Give it a follow. We are an independent media company and we would be so, so grateful for all your support. That's all for me, guys. Check out Stylish and have a good one.